This is Jimmy Jernigan, and you're listening to Daily Dose of Wood Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Dose of Wood Podcast. Today, we are joined by good friend and coach, Peter Junta. Coach, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, JJ. A coaching vet in the NFL, 30-plus years of experience, three Super Bowls, and one college national championship. A lot of expertise, a lot of memories, a lot of knowledge for you. Very well-respected, reputable coach, known for the development of a lot of several young cornerbacks. So you came in with the Eagles in 1991, I believe? Yes, yep, 1991. Spent two seasons with the Jets, four seasons with the Rams including a defensive coordinator there, right? And then assistant yep, head coach, several seasons with the Giants, and now with the New Orleans Saints. If you know me, you know I jump ships from being a Giants fan to a Saints fan, and that is because the man behind the camera right here got me to jump ships and jump on board with the Saints. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I want to talk about the most relevant topic right now, Drew Brees. What's been the atmosphere around, you know, the Saints organization since the retirement of, of number nine? Yeah, everybody, you know, really sad that he's going to go. But, you know, everybody respects his decision to lead the organization. And, uh, you know, it's the right decision for him and his family. And we're ready to move forward and reboot, as Coach Payton would say. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have some tough battles in practice against him on the defensive side going against him. Oh, very much so. He's so competitive. It, it, it was great to you know, compete with him every day in training camp. And you, know, you don't do it a lot during a season, but whenever they had, you know, times when the ones get to go against the ones, I mean, I guys were excited to go after him and get, you know, get after him. Now you started your career as an offensive coach, right? Back in the, the college days, Penn State, Lehigh, some of those schools. Uh, yeah, well, I started coaching in high school. So, you know, you coached both sides of the ball back then. Uh, and then I moved to Penn State. My first year actually was on defense. And, um, I worked for Jerry Sandusky and did a lot of video breakdowns and all the scouting reports for the defense. Uh, I wasn't allowed on the field that year. Then the following year, uh, Coach Paterno asked me to move over to offense. So I started coaching the tight ends at, at Penn State uh, for two more years and won the national championship, as you said, at Penn State after the 82 season. So how did you yeah. end up as a defensive coach? Well, this is how I did. I, I uh, When I was at Penn State, Joe wanted me to go from – offense the defense and I never played tight end didn't know a whole lot about tight ends so I went to Cleveland to visit with Richie Kotite and Richie was the tight end receiver coach with the Browns and he had Ozzie Newsom at the time and Ozzie was really good and they had one of the best tight end cores in the game and spent a weekend with him and learning all tight end play you know developed a good relationship with him he had to come in in 1982 after a national championship workout uh Mike McCluskey and Greg Garrity and some of the guys we had there. And I went to Joe and asked him, Joe, I got to, you know, Richie was great. Helped me with the tight ends. We need, he needs to come in and work the guys up. And Joe wasn't big on having guys work out at that time. You know, he was very private, didn't want that. So I said, you know, can I do that? He was great to us. He's been sending us stuff and everything like that. He goes, listen, I'm going out of town this day. If he comes in here, I don't want to know about it, but he's welcome. <laughs> so I brought him in, worked all the guys out, got everything organized, and he never forgot that. And, you know, I never forgot, you know, spending the time with him. And when he got the job with the Eagles in 1991, uh, you know, he called me. He, he always said, he said, Pete, when I get a head job in the National Football League, you're coming with me. 
And if he was a man to his word in that afternoon, he called me all that evening after he got the job that, Hey, I want you to come work with me at the Eagles. And he said, listen, I want you to help Bud Carson on defense. Bud's our defensive coordinator. I think your offensive expertise that you've over these net last few years, you know, coaching in college will help him and help everybody on the defensive side of the ball. So that's what I did. I was a defensive assistant, helped with the secondary with Bud and, uh, you know, it was four years with Richie there and then two more years with him in New York. So it was a great, great learning experience. And Bud was a you know, great defensive coordinator to learn the you know, defensive football in the National Football League from him. Was coaching something you always wanted to do? Since- no, actually, I was going to be an athletic trainer. Oh, wow. I, uh, I went to Northeastern University and I played. I was an athletic trainer. You know, I had my <clears throat> physical education, athletic training. I did all my work to become an athletic trainer. The only thing I was playing football, so I didn't get the hours. And the director of the athletic training program told me, he said, listen, you, you get, yeah, you know, quit football. And he said, listen, I said, this, I, I can only play this for a couple more years and then, then I'm done. I'm not good enough to go to another level. So I, I just want to keep playing. I love playing. So he said, all right, just keep playing when you're done. And then you got to come in and work for me and do all this, get your hours and be ready to go. So when I was doing my student teaching, I got an opportunity to coach football in high school. So I kind of got the bug then and never looked back. Yeah. And, you know, I, I went and graduated, got all my hours I needed uh, in the classroom, but I didn't get my hours of practical work, you know, uh, working as a trainer and um, just took off from there as, as a coach. And now you've worked your way up. You're senior. What's, what's your title here with the Saints? I'm a senior defensive assistant with the uh, New Orleans Saints. So for people who are listening that, what exactly does that role entail? What, what are your duties? What's your job as that, as that role? I, I work with the secondary and, and we team teach the secondary. I, I came in with Aaron Glenn, who I coached at the Jets um, for two years. And Aaron got the job as a secondary guy. And I came in with him and worked together and taught the DBs and installed everything together. And he left to come to the defensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions. So now Chris Richard has come in and the two of us, We'll work together to do all things with the secondary. My primary functional, yeah, I helped Dennis Allen with third down and uh, some of those two-minute situations, all third down situations. Now, from a coaching standpoint, a little bit of a weird season, right, with COVID going on. What did you notice that was uh, different from, say, this season and the last couple of seasons? Well, the, the, the biggest thing is there was no home field advantage anymore. You know, when you come and you play in New Orleans, you don't, you can't hear anything right? if you're the opposing offense and defensively, it gives you a big chance for the guys up front, you know, to, to be at least even with those guys getting off on the snap of the ball. Where this year, you know, there was no crowd noise at all. So the offense had the advantage. They could get up on the snap count. Uh, you know, they could hard count you at home and all that stuff. So it, it negated some of the pass rush for all the defensive teams when they're playing at home, especially teams that have, you know, a great fan base and, and, and the place is rocking. Uh, you know, when we were there with the Giants, you know, when we were winning and things like that, it, it was like that. You know, that's huge for those defensive linemen, O.C. in the yard and Justin Tuck and, and Michael Strahan and those guys, they could tee off because, shoot, you know, we had we had the crowd noise behind us. You know, the same thing here, you know, we could tee off because people didn't this year was completely different. And, uh, their offensive numbers were up around the league and the offensive holding was down because the offensive players, you know, just like playing at home or at least in a neutral situation every game. What's it like going against someone like Tom Brady, watching him win his seventh Super Bowl, 
you go against him a couple times this season. How do you prepare for a guy like that who's considered a GOAT while he's still playing? Yeah, we did a really good job preparing for him. You know, we beat him two out of the three times. Uh, the last game, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to get that done. Uh, but he's he's great. You can't give him the same look down after down. You have to keep mixing your looks. You have to get pressure on him with four uh, so you can still maintain coverage. Because if you bring more than that, he does a great job of knowing what the best matchup is and getting the ball off to that guy. We did a you know good job. We doubled the guys we wanted. and We won our matchups that were singled. And uh, we forced him to throw the ball to people that we hit, you know, we were in single coverage on and, and didn't let him throw him to, you know, Mike Evans didn't let it to throw it to Gronk, you know, took out, you know, Godwin at different times. We, we dealt, we took out the guys we needed to take out at different times. He still got the ball up, but we won our individual battles more than they did uh, in the first two games, especially. And then the last game, it was a little more even and, uh, you know, we turned the ball over too many times and, we were minus four in the takeaway giveaway and we didn't take the ball away. Like we did the first two games. We took the ball away from Brady. We forced him to throw the ball, make some bad decisions and took advantage of it. And this in the playoff game, we didn't get to do that. Thinking back to last season or maybe prior seasons, what's been the toughest stadium that you had to go into fan wise that, you know, say is the loudest or the, the hardest on the players or you guys, when you come in. Well, in this place for opposing players is, is one of the hardest. The other one that, that's really tough is people going to Kansas city as an opponent, that's very, very hard. That that, that place is, is rocking all the time. Um, you know, Green Bay can be like that, depending on what, you know, what time of the year you go up and play them, but that place is always rocking. And it has such great tradition. Uh, like I said, this year was odd because there was no, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. Now talking here in the off season, what is a, you know, normal day consist of for you in terms of off-season work, what are you guys doing specifically for you? What what does your work entail? In in the mornings, we come in and we go back. We go back through all of our. The first we, we go in. Uh, we, you know, we go through our our cutups, all of the things we did defensively during the season. Uh, we do that in the morning. Then after that, we get we get going and we evaluate free agents. Um, it was all the pro free agents. We, we just get that done because the today is the official start of the league year. So the, the 9, uh, 2021 season officially starts right now for the National Football League. So free agency started, all that stuff on uh, the salary cap, the new salary cap went into effect. All those things take place today. So we had to have all our free agents graded before then. And, and before we even do that, we, as soon as we're done with the season, we grade our own players. And uh, before we even get to our self-scout, the first thing you do is grade your players and, you know, Who's free agent? Do you want them back? Can you afford to have them back? That's not our decision, but that's management's decision. But you grade everybody, and we go through and talk about the grades as a full staff. We, we, we you know, we go to the football, and then like in the afternoon, it's it's pro free agents. And now we we've, we've moved from still football in the morning in the afternoon. Now it's college draft guys. And then the biggest thing right now is because there was no combine, because you're not allowed to do anything face to face. We're doing everything just like we are right now on virtual. on virtual on WebEx or on Zoom. And we have to do all our interviews, all our stuff with our players this way, which is, which is, this is the second year we did it. Last year we had the combine and the COVID didn't hit until after the combine. So we were able to get that in. So that's where we are right now, JJ. Speaking of free agents, Richard Sherman, I saw he had some, you know, interest in the Saints. How much of 
you know, say do you have in that when it comes to free agents and recruiting guys like that or adding guys to the team? Oh, we, we evaluate, you know, all the free agents um, and, and go through that. He played for Chris Rashad at the uh, Seahawks. Chris was okay. the secondary coach there and then became the defensive coordinator. So they have a, a really strong relationship. Uh, you know, I know, I know that you know, he'd like to play for Chris again. Um, you know, that, that remains to be seen what, what happens there. Um, I'm sure there are other teams with interest of what, what he'll do, you know, from that end, but that's where the connection is there. A lot of times, you know, if you have a relationship with one of the players or the scheme is very similar, and they'll want to come here. You know, we have a good chance to win. We've won, you know, four straight NFC South championships, you know, and been in the playoffs. So people want to come here because the organization is great for the players and we have a chance to win. How are things down there COVID-wise? Or you think you'll have a full stadium come come September when the season starts up again? We're hoping we're hoping that you know everybody's back to that with the vaccine rolling out and you know people doing that and you know, they respect the protocols and we can get this thing behind us. It'd be great because the city needs it and you know it was tough on everybody you know, not having the Saints games to go to because we like I said we fill that place. It's it's a great atmosphere. People love it. All right now, do you have a favorite Super Bowl? You won three. Is there one that? is more memorable than others? Uh, not really. They're, they're all they're all really exciting. I guess, you know, because New England was undefeated, that one will always stick out. Right. Uh, you know, the first one in St. Louis, you, you know, was great because the first time they ever been and the first time they ever won one. So that's special too. So, I mean, they're all a little different, the different reasons, but, uh, you know, it, it certainly, you know, was great. The uh, 2007, you know, we, we, we went in and, we were a wild card team. Went to we were very similar to what Tampa Bay did this year. We went down to Tampa, beat Tampa in Tampa. Uh, especially after coming off, you know, we lost New England the last game of the year, right. and that was they were undefeated. And we lost two or three guys in the game, and everybody's ripping Coach Coughlin for playing everybody the whole game. And oh, now you're going to get knocked out of the playoffs. It was the best thing you could have ever done. You know, we get down there, beat beat Tampa in Tampa. Then we go to Dallas, and Dallas had beat us twice bad during the regular season. We beat Dallas in Dallas. RJ McCordis comes up big time interception on Romo. They're driving in to secure the victory. Uh, then we go up to Green Bay. Green Bay beat us early in the season bad. Went up to Green Bay, beat Green Bay in Green Bay, and then you know played New England, who had beat us the last game of the regular season to win it all. So we went three in a row on the road. Now Tampa did the same thing, but it was a little different. They didn't have any fans in the stands. Right. You know, we had fans, fans the whole time, and Jerry Jones had always had already given out the you know, NFC Championship stuff for his players before you know before the game, and my guys got wind of it, and you know, we came back and beat Dallas in Dallas after getting beat twice during the regular season. Wow! So it, it was that was very memorable that whole thing. You know, the Rams we were we were the uh, had the best record in the league. And Would you think about taking another head coach spot if it came about and your name was called? Oh, definitely, definitely would do that. But uh, I'm very happy where I am now and doing what I'm doing, and have to be, go back to being a coordinator before getting yeah. head coaching. And so, what's your what's your scheme? Your go-to scheme for the for the Saints defense? There, what are you usually playing in? Uh, we're really a, a, a more a four-three base defensive team, and, and we're we want to match up people in some form of man-to-man coverage or match match coverage and. You know, we, we like to pressure, so 
we're, we're multiple defense, but we like to get people on people and like give the quarterback easy completions. You've coached a number of guys throughout your years. What sticks out to you that you see guys stay in the league the longest? What what differentiates them from other players? Why guys stick around longer than others? The guys that work at it mentally, that really study the game and know the game because, you know, as you get older, your skills start to diminish. But the guys that know how to prepare and know the ins and outs and the intricacies of the game that really study and prepare well are the guys that play the longest. The guys that can play more than one position because they can handle it mentally. Uh, you know, I'm great. The guys that are, you know, very solid emotionally that, that, you know, they, Hey, they don't let one play affect the next and they're very stable, have a great, you know, um, support, you know, from their families and, you know, their wives and girlfriends, whoever it may be and everything. <clears throat> Those people last long time. The other thing is durability. The guys that are able to, you know, take great care of their body so that, you know, they can play, you know, before it was 20 games with a preseason, not counting the playoffs. They can get through that grind, you know, and take such great care of themselves that they can play a long, long time. That, that's what's that's what's huge durability yeah. and availability of those players. I saw you talking at the combine back in 2019, talking to guys just about how you know it's an honor to play in the league and you got to really bring it. When you're talking to these guys on Zoom or when you were meeting with them in person, can you tell off the bat which guys you think will make it and which guys you think will fold under pressure? Fold to the fame. Sometimes you, some of it, you know, you judge, you know, the, the players based on their college performance, you know, what they did on video, and how they handled it. I mean, it, it's it, with a DB, if they give up a play, how does he respond the very next play? Then or does he go in the tank? You know, is it, you know, hey, after he gives up one, you know, there's a lot of them coming. Guys that can shake it off and move, move right on to the next play. You know, those guys are resilient and able to bounce back from adversity, those are the guys you know have a great chance of making it. The guys that go in the tank, you know, you pretty well think you know, he's not going to last too long. Or guys that, that can't handle it mentally, that, you know, it's going to be a struggle for them to learn the defense um, and be able to play multiple things, especially in our scheme, are going to struggle to make it. Now, Corey Webster was one of your top, top players when you were with the Giants, one of my favorite players. Are there any other players that stick out for you that you just really enjoyed coaching and were a pleasure to work alongside with? Oh, there's, a, there's, there's a number of them. You know, the, one of the first guys when I came in the league was Eric Allen. Did a great job with his preparation. was all pro player, just outstanding, you know, to have him there. And then we had, you know, a small kid that was – he would have been a free agent now, but I think it was 11th round. Mark McMillan came in and, and an undersized guy, competed his tail off. And, and it was his first game, he had Kevin Jerry Rice and John Taylor and you know did a great great job and just I mean competed all the time and just loved you know that about him his fight for being an undersized guy you know I you know Aaron Glenn you know at, at the Jets and he and I are still close to this day he was great you know would stay after practice all the time he'd come in every day every Tuesday he was off and you know work his tail off to become a great player and he's now he's becoming a great coach and now he's a defensive coordinator in the league and a kid by the name of Vance Joseph was Cordell's do its backup uh, in Colorado came into us and, they, and hey, give him a chance to play DB. And shoot, he's gone on to be head coach with Denver. Now he's defensive coordinator in Arizona. He was he was really special. You know, guys, there's a ton of guys. You know, Sam Addison I had, you know, at the uh, at the Giants, and uh, you know, a kid by the name of Jerome Woods suffered a terrific injury in Kansas City at, and playing Seattle in the preseason game, came back and became an all-pro player the next year just from his dedication, his resilience, 
uh, were just, you know, fantastic. And uh, a kid by the name of Terrell Thomas, if you remember him from the Giants. Yeah, yeah. He was one of those guys having a great game. He, he led the team in, in interceptions and tackles two years ago. And then, unfortunately, blew out his knee in a, in a preseason game. He and JPP collided. And then the next year in training camp, blew his knee out again. And, and he was one of those guys that had he not had the, the second ACL injury, he, he, he had all the things to become a great pro ball player and, you know, play for a long time, but, you know, sometimes it's not in the cards and, you know, you, you get dealt an injury like that. It, it's really tough, you know, and Corey and, and, you know, and Aaron Ross, you know, those guys were great to the giants for us and really good and had a lot of good, good players there that, uh, that helped us as coaches along the way, you know, the St. Dan Trouble and, you know, James Butler, Jabril, all those guys that helped contribute to it, you know, the two Super Bowl championships, they were great. Uh, you know, some guys here, Marcus Williams, in the safety for us, uh, came back after, you know, a tough rookie year and big mistake in a playoffs missing a tackle. And he's been, you know, resilient and, and responded great. And now one of our best defensive players, Malcolm Jenkins, came back to us. And Malcolm, the guy that you talk about, you know, the durability factor, he, he takes such great care of himself. He plays 16 games and uh, he moved from corner to nickel to safety can play dime, can play all over the field for you, knows everything and just does such a great job taking care of himself, knows the mental aspect of the game, prepares extremely well. And shoot, he, he's just ultimate professional and you know, he just a, a great, great player. You know, had a young kid by the name of Vaughn Bell who unfortunately lost free agent here that same thing that, you know, that durability wise and, you know, work ethic and studying the game. Those are the things that stick out with those kind of people. Yeah, I remember Vaughn. He was a class actor. I remember he was very welcoming when we when we came down. Me and my pops came down. He was a he was a great guy. And when you, I think back when I see you know the game ball here that Corey Webster gave me and Aaron Ross's gloves, a lot of these football ties are to you. I'm very thankful for that. I've been able to go to a number of games because of you, and hopefully some games in the future. Well, but, hopefully we'll have everybody back in the stands, and you are able to come down with your dad again. Yeah, that was – I don't know if people listening have saw, but I've been down to Saints training camp. We went to Giants training camp, and that's all because of this man right here. And very grateful for those opportunities, unbelievable memories that, that we made down in Louisiana and in New York and Albany when, when you guys were over there. But, Peter, I appreciate you coming on. I really look forward to, you know, the season around the corner and maybe getting down again if it's safe to do so. Yeah, we hope you do. Thanks for having me on, JJ. Yeah, yeah, let's go. I ain't the first with the curse, with the thirst that I wanna be better, not worse. Man, it hurts. I'm on this earth with my words, and I put them all together in cert, cause I wanna have worth. Working hella hard till they put me in the dirt. Gonna go far.